everyone, and welcome to another episode of Money for Nothing, the podcast about music and capitalism. I am Sam Backer, and actually not with me is Saxon Baird. Uh, Saxon got sidetracked by a combination of cat and car trouble today, so um, I'm finally getting the... um, the long-awaited chance to do an intro by myself. This week, uh, we're going to be hearing an interview that I did with Andrew Underberger. And, and Andrew's a, a reporter for uh, Billboard, um, among other other places. Um, and, and just as Saxon and I were finishing up our episode about kind of new versus old music, Andrew wrote a really fascinating piece, kind of explaining why there were so few new hits in 2022. Now, um, that is now, this interview was done um, a couple weeks ago, so that's actually now changed. Uh, various superstars dropped stuff, um, including Harry Styles and Kendrick Lamar. But regardless, actually, the, the, the piece, I think, really was about just a breakdown of exactly how songs become hits now. And, and the way that this kind of complicated multipolar landscape that has sites like TikTok, that has streaming, that still has radio playing a really important role, and the way that all of those kind of work on, on different time horizons, and so you kind of have something catch on in one place and bounce to another place and bounce back, and, and just it was, it was such a nuanced and, and fascinating take that I just really, really wanted to get him on the show and, and to kind of talk about it further. I really think that that, that this kind of reporting is, is so important because it can, you know, you get these big headlines like new music, old music, eating new music. And it's always more complicated than that. And, and it really reflects the ways in which a lot of the kind of the fundamental um, measuring sticks that we use to, to think about kind of these culture industries are also shaped by the, I guess, like, I don't know, you could say the techno-social formations that, that determine them and, and the way that the charts are constructed. So anyway, we're going to go to that. As always, um, please rate and review us anywhere that you're listening to this podcast. Also, we love to hear from listeners. So if you have a thought, a comment, a critique, hit us up at um, moneyfornothingpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, so let's go to my interview with Andrew Interberger. We're so happy to have uh, for this uh, episode of Money for Nothing, um, Andrew Unterberger. He's a, a writer for uh, Billboard, uh, America's veritable popular music publication. And I reached out to Andrew because he, um, we've been thinking a lot about uh, in, in recent, uh, a recent episode about kind of old versus new music and the ways in which changes to the streaming economy have kind of reshaped the balance between quote unquote new music and quote unquote catalog plays, which has made all number of commentators <laughs> all kinds of uh, culturally panicked. And Andrew <laughs> wrote a, a really fabulous article, which we read directly 
a minute and a half after finishing the previous episode that offered uh, a really, really fascinating and insightful way to think about a lot of these changes. Um, and, and so we really are excited to, to, to have him on and to get to talk to him a, a little bit about this. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And I, I appreciate I appreciate you writing to, to tell me that you enjoyed the article and I appreciate the kind of response that it's gotten in general. I think this is a this is a sort of thing. I mean, it, it dovetails with a lot of other conversations we've been having at Billboard and it dovetails with a lot of things we've been seeing on the charts. And I think it's something that uh, people are starting to talk more about. And and actually at Billboard, we just uh, did an entire deep dive package that I, I wasn't personally involved with, but my article kind of feeds into it, uh, about, talking about kind of the the certain new trends in, in catalog on streaming and and the, the way that the percentage of the, the marketplace is taken up more by by catalog every year and, and the what how that means something different than it used to mean three years ago and how that means something different than people think about it today. And yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time for the music industry. I'm sure it's a really scary time for a lot of people in terms of marketing new music and, and trying to kind of get traction when it seems to be harder than it ever has been before. But it also makes things kind of wild and unpredictable, which, uh, you know, for, for, at least in my, my, to my vantage is, is a pretty exciting thing and results in a lot of kind of, unexpected developments and hit songs that would never have been hit songs before for any number of different reasons. And so, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad, but I, I, I generally think it's, it's an interesting and, and, and pretty cool thing. So before, before we dive in, in, in too much deeper. So the, the article really is just looking at the relative paucity of new music on the billboard, I guess, um, top 100. And, and it, kind of you lay out this 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 kind of remarkable sense that like most of the hit songs are at this point in 2022 have been released in 2021 some of them were even released in 2020 and that songs are just staying put right yeah basically i i mean so so what i what i looked at first and foremost you know this is sort of our flagship song chart the the billboard hobbin 100 and when you look at the top 10 of the chart, especially when I, when I wrote this article, it, it was, you know, I started writing it about two weeks ago. I posted before last week, char- last week's chart update. So we're now, we're now two charts past where I wrote it. But at the time, uh, there was only one song in the, in, the, in the top 20 and none in the top 10 that were actually from 2022. And that's over three months into the calendar year. You know, there are always going to be some holdovers from the previous year. Uh, you know, you, you never kind of start a year at zero. You always have songs that were starting to get popular at the end of the previous year. Really big hits from the last summer sometimes will, will hang around a little bit, uh, especially more so in recent years than in, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. But this was a pretty extreme finding. This is a pretty extreme set of circumstances that's led to this. Uh, you know, when you look at the Hot 100 from that point, you know, the, the first top 100 of, of April, which is basically what we were looking at for, for this year. When you look at that chart from 2021, the entire top five was all songs from 2021. And they were all, they, it wasn't just kind of one fluke week where, you know, Drake releases a new album and, and he has the entire top five to himself. Uh, this was, you know, five different artists that had five different very, very big hits that all kind of stuck around. Uh, and to, to go from that to a year where there's no songs from the calendar year in the top 10 and only one in the top 20. And by the way, that, that one in the top 20 is number 20. And it was a song that debuted that week. So that, that kind of tells us something pretty specific about what's happening in pop music right now, which is that songs are taking a really long time to become hits. And then when they do become hits, they're just sticking around. So you look at, so not, not only were there no songs from 2022 in, in the top 10 and only one in the top 20, 
but there was three in the top 20 from 2020, which you sort of alluded to earlier, including the number one song in the country, which at that point was Glass Animals, Heat Waves, a song that came out, I want to say, in August of 2020, first debuted on the Hot 100 in, I think, either January or February of 2021, and didn't actually top the chart until either February or March of this year. And then four or five weeks later, was still number one. So that just kind of shows you the rate that things are moving at right now. And even though that's a pretty extreme example, it's by no means unprecedented. It is unprecedented, but it's by no means alone in terms of having the, all, all these songs like, uh, you know, Dua Lipa's Levitating or The Weeknd's Save Your Tears or to a slightly lesser extent, uh, Justin Bieber and The Kid Leroy's Stay. Songs that, you know, most people who, who are kind of plugged into popular music would say, okay, that had, they had their moment, their moment's over. Now we're moving on to other songs. But we haven't. We haven't moved on to anything. Uh, those those songs are still among the most streamed songs in the country. They're definitely among the most played songs on radio, and they are, for all intent, for by, by our standards and for most intents and purposes, the most popular songs in the country still. Yeah, and, and th- that 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 um that kind of trajectory you lay out for Heatwave is really really fascinating. I know it. So the, the fact I had no idea that that it took six months to break the charts, mm. and 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 what strikes me as particularly interesting about that is. That that's a group who, you know, it, it, I guess it's, it's one thing and maybe kind of an older, somewhat more familiar story for like a total underground song to like be released and then slowly gain momentum and gain momentum and gain momentum. And then, you know, six, eight months later, there's a first single that does pretty well. The second single does even better, you know, for, for uh, f- to have that kind of long runtime. But that's a Glass Animals is a group that had had previous chart success and certainly, you know, that Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber are acts that have had previous chart mm-hmm. success. Yeah, uh, well, with Glass Animals, it's a, it's it's a little funky because while well, you're right, I mean they're 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 a popular group. They have been for a good half decade now, uh, and in, in other parts of the world, I think they're even more popular than they, they were here. But while you're right that they were popular, they actually never really had a Hot 100 hit before. They'd had hits on alternative radio charts. They'd had you know, albums that charted in the top 20, I think, of the Billboard 200. So they, they were successful, but they never really had a crossover hit uh, the way you would kind of think of uh, for being, you know, in contention at the top of the Hot 100. So this was the confluence of a couple different things. Uh, at first, it was TikTok, and and, and it was TikTok, and, and also just other forms of kind of side virality where, like, there were, there were memes about the song, and I think it took off in, like, as, as part of uh, like videos that were soundtracking fan fiction. It's, it's pretty, if you want to get into the thick of why Heat Waves became a big hit, it's really fascinating. And there's a hundred different factors that went into it. And it's a very, very sort of 2020 story. But the biggest one eventually was TikTok. And that's been the driving force of, you know, half the hits that are, that are kind of permeating the marketplace right now uh, in, in this decade, going back to the, the end of the last decade, even. Uh, and in the case of tick, in the case of Heat Waves, it wasn't really one moment. It was kind of these, well, it's kind of waves. It, it, it sort of started in late 2020 and picked up in early 2021. And then it kind of went for a little while and heat waves climbed the charts very slowly, but didn't really, you know, they kind of hit a ceiling and then radio picked up uh, and radio, radio in general is always kind of lagging a couple, or at least in most cases is lagging behind streaming and TikTok uh, by a couple months, sometimes even longer. But once the, 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 the kind of these these hits kind of prove themselves, then radio will start to embrace them, and then you know the, the momentum kind of kicks back in. And now we're starting to fade too around the time of last summer, when a second wave of TikTok hit. Like uh, it, it became it, it trended all kind of anew and 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 for different reasons. And it wasn't just kind of one video or even like a dance challenge or a series of videos that that sort of 
sparked that popularity, but it, it was just a, a sort of more gradual kind of ubiquity. Uh, and, and, you know, it trended along with its lyrics. There are summer themed lyrics, obviously. So that kind of hit another wave. And then radio picked back up again on that. And, and so the, these things happen very, very, very gradually. But, you know, as gradual as the rise was for that song. And, and, and again, it, it took, I think, I, I don't remember the exact number. I want to say maybe 59 weeks to hit that, the, the top of the Hot 100. And that was the longest that any song had ever taken before. And, and, and by a long shot, like I think, I think it, it took 59 weeks and the, the previous record was 37 weeks, something like that. I, 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 I'm not positive those are the exact numbers, but they're close to them. Uh, and, and so that's pretty unprecedented. And as, as slow as that was, the fall is going to be just as slow because mm-hmm. now once, once something kind of gets entrenched on streaming these days, uh, even if it's through a, a viral moment like it has on TikTok or, or through fanfic or YouTube or however else, uh, it's not like it, it, it jumps to the top and then it falls down just as quickly. It, it's more of these very, very slow level ups and then it kind of hits a plateau and it might stay at that plateau for six months, might stay at that plateau for a year. You know, th- these songs get added to playlists on streaming services. They don't get deleted automatically. They get added to radio playlists. Radio ha- uh, turnover at radio is lower than it's ever been before. So once these songs kind of get entrenched, they- they're just there. And they're, they're kind of there until deposed. Uh, so mm-hmm. since Heat Waves hit number one, you know, it's, I think it had a five-week run on top. And now finally... We're sort of starting to come out of this moment where you, we have had, uh, we just announced, we, we, we have had number ones now in back-to-back weeks that debuted at number one. Songs from 2022, songs that came out, and that basically debuted at number one in their first week of eligibility, the first full week of eligibility. Uh, and last week, that was Harry Styles as it was. Obviously, he's a gigantic star. You know, you would expect him to threaten for number one whenever he releases a new song, especially as like a lead single from a new project. And then this week we're ha- we have uh, Jack Harlow, uh, Jack Harlow's first class, which is a little bit more surprising because he doesn't have that same sort of history of superstardom. But he he was able to kind of spark that that kind of uh, viral moment again on, through TikTok and through in- building up anticipation for the song that he was teasing. And it has a big pop hook sampled from another hit uh, for these glamorous from the, the late aughts. So it kind of has that 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 pop kind of built in pop cachet to it. And so now we're, we're we're finally starting to see some velocity, some hits that that are kind of debuting that are that are instantly minted hits, but these are really very much the exception to the rule of 2022. Most of the hits look more like the trajectory of heat waves, which is very 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 gradual, both co- going up and coming back down. So so one of the things that I loved about this article is the way you kind of position this 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 phenomenon as kind of a, a resulting from kind of two two layers or two interpretive layers, right? That that. One of this is that this is kind of this is the changes that result from the streaming economy, right? That in fact the charts now resemble how people actually listen to music more accurately in a way that maybe album sales in the past, you know, people buy an album and then that's that the the, the charts mark the moment that an album is sold and not the fact that then they spin it on repeat in their house forever. <laughs> Um, for the next year and a half, mm-hmm. maybe before it falls off their internal rotation. But so, so there's that element, and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. But also that streaming is now not the you know this is not brand new. That it's been around as the dominant form of listening for a half decade, if not longer, and that these changing dynamics actually result from from changes within the streaming ecosystem. It was kind of this kind of like these multipolar <laughs> dynamics that you, that you were talking about. Um, earlier and that 
that if we want to understand how music is, is developing and changing, we have to think about the, the intricacies of these changing streaming environments too. Right. So, so going back to the first thing you said, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's almost impossible to compare the charts of the streaming era to any era before. I mean, we, we still do it and it's still fun to do, but the fact that you know, it, 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 the, 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 centra- the, the, the the decentralization of the promoted lead single and, and subsequent singles from an album as, as being the kind of folk, the chart focus of an album era re- result, has resulted in the Hot 100 being completely almost unrecognizable from, from where it was 10, 20, 30 years earlier. You know, the, the example I always look at just is, is uh, there's an, al- an album like uh, like Pearl Jam's Verses, which was released in 1993 when Pearl Jam were the biggest band in the world or one of them anyway. And uh, I, I sold some absurd amount in its first week. It's something like 900,000 copies in its first week and had no presence on the Hot 100 whatsoever. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, Pearl Jam songs weren't getting played on top 40 stations the way they were getting played on MTV or alternative radio stations. Uh, and also just because they weren't necessarily releasing physical singles. And we had weird, you know, what I see at least is weird rules back then about how songs had to be officially released as singles to uh, chart on the Hot 100, uh, to be eligible for the Hot 100. But the biggest reason is that there was no way to account for the fact that after those 900,000 people bought that album in its first week, they went home and played it incessantly for at least a few weeks, maybe, maybe for far longer. So whereas if you, if you, if an album like that was released in 2022, all 12 or 13 tracks on that album would appear on the next week's hot 100, almost automatically, almost by just by a function of it being released. And what song would be the highest charting? It might be the track that gets released first or you know, the, the first track on the, uh, it might be the song that had already gone to radio and got an, uh, a video push or, you know, had already been released a couple of weeks earlier, or it might just be literally the first track on the album because people hit play on the first track and maybe they stop by the second track or so on. Mm-hmm. But all those songs would be represented and all those songs would be pretty impactful on the hot 100. Uh, and any major release in 2022 is going to be similar to that. Uh, but when you don't get those big album releases and in so far in 2022, we haven't gotten a ton of them. There've been a couple, you know, the, the weekend and gunner released albums in the same week in January. But after that, there was a pretty long period of radio silence from the A-listers and, you know, you, you got songs here and there, you, you got a couple new singles here and there. Nicki Minaj and Lil Baby had a couple team ups, Camila Cabello and Ed Sheeran, uh, Megan Thee Stallion and Dua Lipa. But you didn't have those those gigantic albums where the, the, just just automatically you knew you were going to get uh, ten debuts on the chart and then a couple of them were going to be in the top twenty. Uh, so that that's a huge a huge difference from the way uh, you know the, the charts used to measure music. And what we had we had quotes in that story saying that what we have now is actually more accurate. And I think that's true. I, I, I think that uh, you know back in the 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 older days and back when I was growing up. Uh, songs were hits if they were big radio hits, but those involved gatekeepers and those involved uh, people saying, okay, yes, this is a hit now. We're going to promote it for this length of time. And then our research shows that maybe don't, people don't want to hear it anymore. So we're going to stop promoting it. We're going to go and move on to this next single. And now this is the single that you guys are going to play. And this is the single that people are going to buy and listen to and, and, and so on and so on. So everything can be very regulated by the powers that be, by the record labels, by the DJs and VDs and programming directors. Uh, and, and there was a way to kind of keep things a little bit neater and organized in terms of what was a heat single when and for how long. But now those gatekeepers, that they, they, they don't have the same sort of impact that they used to. F- folks are listening to music on their own terms for their own durations. 
And it doesn't really matter if a single is the promoted single or if uh, it's already you know too long into its album, into its promotional cycle and that the record label wants to move on to the next one. If they want to keep listening to Dua Lipa's Levitating for two years, they're going to do that. And, and that doesn't mean that they're going to you know, delete it from their workout playlist or their, their driving mix or whatever. You know, the, the, those songs are still going to have the same impact as long as, uh, as, 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 long as, the, as long as the consumer wants to keep listening to them. Uh, and radio is starting to reflect that too, and that they're sort of doing their testing and seeing that, hey, you know, listeners don't get sick of the songs as, these songs as quickly as they used to or as quickly as we thought they used to. So they'll keep playing these songs in heavy rotation for a year or two if, if, if that's what it takes. And if that's the, those are the songs that keep testing well. Uh, and in terms of the streaming marketplace kind of evolving within itself, yeah, like it, it's, it's getting more diffuse than it ever has been before. When you talk about a quote unquote streaming hit, you could be talking about three or four different things. Uh, and you could be talking about songs from this album cycle, or you could be talking about songs from eight album cycles ago, you know, uh, a really interesting case is, is someone like Willow Smith, who uh, had a hit single last year called Transparent Soul that sort of introduced her new era. She's you know, doing these, these pop punk songs with Travis Barker going in a very heavily alternative and hard rock sort of leaning direction. Um, but that single wasn't as big as the song that she released a year earlier uh, called Meet Me at Our Spot that didn't become a hit until after Transparent Soul, the, the, the first song from her new era, and sort of ended up dwarfing that just because that was the song that got that caught fire on TikTok uh, later in the year. And, you know, I'm sure it sent her label into, into fits because they were still working this new song and this new album, which this other song from last year, from, from the year earlier, wasn't even on, wasn't even a part of that. It was actually part of an entirely different, uh, you know, era where she was working with this guy, Tyler Cole, as, as this duo named The Anxiety. But that was the song that started popping and there's really nothing they could do about that. They couldn't control the fact that that was the song that the public really wanted to listen to at that point in time, even though it wasn't really part of their marketing plan and didn't really help with what they were, with what they were trying to do with this new album. And then this year it's the same thing. Uh, you know, she, she doesn't have necessarily a new project to promote right now, but she does have some new songs out. She has a song with machine gun Kelly. She has a song with Camila Cabello. Uh, she has songs that, that, you know, I'm sure the labels are trying to push as hit singles, even though they haven't really taken off yet. But the song of hers that everybody's listening to is a song of hers from 2015 called Wait a Minute. And that song is a totally different Willow Smith. Is It's back when she was still in more of an R&B and pop mold than the alternative mold she's in now. And look, I, I'm sure she'll take it. She, she, you know, that, that song's been, been viral before and then now it's just kind of picking up again. And you, know, you, you, you sort of have to take what the public gives you in 2022. But again, it's just, it's just total chaos. And it results in the fact that Radio isn't necessarily playing the same. The, the songs that are hits on radio aren't necessarily hits on streaming right now. The songs that are hits on TikTok aren't necessarily the songs that are at the top of the Spotify play or Apple Music playlists. And so everything is just kind of spread out. Everything is just kind of diffuse. You don't get a lot of songs that are popular everywhere at once anymore. And in the rare cases that you do, it's it looks like it did with this new Harry Styles song or this new Jack Carlo song where, okay, they debut and they're instantly the biggest songs in the country. But when you don't get those kind of immediate four quadrant smashes, you're looking at a lot of, oh, well, uh, you know, we, we, this song was really popular 18 months ago, but now it's still kind of popular. Or, okay, this song is really blowing up on TikTok, even though it's this weird alternative rock song from nine years ago and radio can't touch it because there's no idea what to do with it. So uh, you, you don't get a lot of songs that are just hits everywhere and that are sort of these ubiquitous hits that you know expand generations and formats and all of that. And the result is basically chaos. And, and the result is sometimes you don't get any new hits immediately. 
and you get a, a Hot 100 that is just as likely to have a Nirvana song from 1991 because it was used in the Batman as the new song by Camila Cabello and Ed Sheeran, who are two you know freshly minted 2020s pop stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and in particular, I feel like um, so a that 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 description of just like this is a moment of particular incoherence in this system mm. because there are so many different. I guess like you know uh, uh, zones uh, for hit creation and 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 how difficult it is, especially now, and get, it seems like getting more difficult to, to be able to to hit in all those places in the kind of you know neatly um, neatly organized uh, synchro- synchronous um, structure that that a record label maybe want. And, and in particular, in the mm. article, you kind of point out in some ways um, the kind of the evolution of, of TikTok as as a hit maker that. Um, I think you write specifically that kind of TikTok is spread out um, so that songs that used to be hits on TikTok, which is sort of like could pretty quickly blast onto radio, but that there's a lot, maybe like just more folks on TikTok and more things. And and the signals are maybe a little bit less clear than it used to be. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I don't consider myself an, an expert in sort of either analyzing or forecasting TikTok trends. So I don't, I don't want to speak too authoritatively on this, but I, I, what, what, what a source I talked to told me and what does kind of check out with what I'm seeing kind of on the other end as, as the result of what spits out on the, on the streaming services and, on, and then later on the charts is that TikTok is, 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 is maybe as impactful as it ever was in totality, but it's not as impactful as it used to be in minting kind of immediate major smashes. You know, like when we think of TikTok, for a few years ago, I mean, you think about a song like Old Town Road, which took off like velocity that you've never seen before, got to the top of the charts and then stayed there for a, a, you know an unprecedented amount of time, a record 19 weeks. And, and, that, and that was almost all before radio caught up to it. That was almost all before the sort of rec- the rest of the marketplace kind of figured out what was going on and embraced it as the hit that it was. Uh, you don't necessarily see hits like that anymore. Now we now we are seeing one this week to a certain extent uh, with the Jack Harlow song that I mentioned. But he all he was already a pretty big star. He had had he was on a number one single last year uh, with the Lil Nas X Industry Baby. He he, he kind of had momentum leading up to this moment. So TikTok gave him the boost that that, that he needed to to kind of get to that next level. But it didn't make him. It didn't make this song a, a smash out of nowhere. Whereas two to three years ago, we were getting those smashes out of nowhere that kind of immediately crashed into the top 20 or the top 10. We're like, oh, who is the song? They get signed, the, the artist gets signed. And then, you know, oh, maybe it's already too late because the the the, the, the moment already sort of passed. And then now, you know, at the, the record of the industry sort of playing catch up. It, it, TikTok is still driving a lot of those stories, but they're just not as dramatic as they used to be. Uh, and, but they're still there. I mean, uh, we, we had uh, Lawrence Smith, Spencer Smith's uh, Fingers Crossed was another sort of TikTok success story from earlier in the year. That song debuted on like sort of the, the lower ends of the top 20, and it's still hanging around. Now the radio is caught up to it, and it's, it's doing pretty well. Uh, and uh, Yaritza Jesus Essencia is a, uh, an act from the Northwest. You know, they're, 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 they're Mexican-American, and they had this was the song Soy El Unico that also went kind of nuts on TikTok and, and debuted at number 20 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and again, that, that, that it's, it's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's not necessarily going to be as major as Old Town Road was, but that's a song that sort of debuted out of nowhere. If you weren't paying attention to it on TikTok and it was a pretty impactful debut, those kind of stories are still around and no one, no one is creating those stories as quickly or as reliably as TikTok is. But in terms of the very, very top of the charts, 
it's tougher now to break into that just as a result of that kind of TikTok virality and that kind of TikTok momentum. You need that plus you need an established stardom or you need that plus you need a major radio push or you need that plus you need a couple other viral moments or you need uh, two top TikTok ways on top of each other that sort of coalesce and, and end up multiplying into, into you know, the top 10 hit. But in terms of what TikTok is spitting out, you know, you might get a Pharrell song from nine years ago that's you know huge on streaming for two weeks and looks like it might you know you know be the the the, the latest retro hit to kind of crash into the Hot 100, and then it dies out before it really gets going, and then you're on to the next one. And, and and there's a million of these stories, and they don't necessarily. I mean, there's so many of them because TikTok is the most impactful platform, and because like you're saying, more people are on TikTok now than even were in 2019. But it's just spread out now, and you, you the, the impact isn't as concentrated. And everyone's in their own kind of little niche groups on TikTok and, and, you know, have their own, you know, their own for you pages spitting out their own sort of algorithmic, uh, you know, hits, but they don't necessarily add up to the kind of signature smashes that end up defining a year when you look back on it. And that is resulting in fewer hits kind of fewer unexpected hits crashing the top 10 and the top 20 of the hot 100. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying both about, um, like kind of Willow's career and then also with, um, I, don't know, I was surprised to find that like that the you mentioned the 505 mm-hmm. which is like an, the last track <laughs> on Arctic Monkey's second album um and 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 these almost you know the, the you can almost call them like sure. <laughs> phantom hits uh and and it's really fascinating to think about kind of the changed temporality of the charts and of popular music listening because it's not only these things are moving more slowly but it's these are older songs but but they're older in you know this is not like the kids listening to Elvis or the Beatles um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or even like, I don't know, Aerosmith. This is older hits from artists who still have current careers. The Arctic Monkeys is a huge band that can, you know, headline a festival still. It's not, these aren't, you know, it, but it's a different temporality, similar with Willow, right? The, she had a big hit and then she's got another hit from seven years ago. And that that seems like to, to mark a real change in in how people have to be thinking about their careers, like fundamentally. Yeah, I mean it's it's very strange, and I'm sure the labels you know both love it when it happens to them, and they hate it sort of in its totality because it's so unpredictable, and there's nothing they can really do to push the button on it. They, they there's there's nothing that they can do on their end to make a moment like this happen. They just have to kind of hope that if they have enough artists who are popular and you know have music that's beloved on these services, that eventually something will pop for some unexpected reason. You'll get a song like like 505 by the Arctic Monkeys, which wasn't a single, wasn't a hit, wasn't even from one of their most beloved albums, as far as I can tell. Uh, and I, I couldn't even really tell you why it's become the streaming force that it, ha- that, it, that it has. And if you look at the Spotify daily charts right now, it's in the top 25 and has been for a long time. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you why that song became such a TikTok moment. Like, and again, because that moment has lasted for a year now and, 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 and shows no sign of dying down. It's not, you know, when we, when we at Billboard, especially who aren't necessarily as, as, as dug into the TikTok world as, as you know, teenagers and, and, and young people are right now, uh, when, when we thought of a TikTok success story as released a catalog for the first couple of years of TikTok's popularity, we thought of Fleetwood Mac and Dreams, which was this, this, this moment that really kind of transcended TikTok made it to, to all levels of pop culture. There were, there were TV commercials that, that, were, that were heavily built around it. It became a big story. They would talk about it on classic rock stations. But it was even though it was wild, it was understandable because this was a gigantic hit by a canonical Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band 
that has had a lot of these kind of mini viral moments of the years and is still widely beloved. So, okay, that makes sense that when this song is used and, and, and it's used in a specific video that a lot of people watched and a lot of people liked for reasons they couldn't quite put their finger on, made them want to watch it again. So th- that all added up to a comeback moment. And we all sort of understood that because we'd seen that before. Like for instance, 30 years ago, uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, which is one of the most beloved songs of the 70s, but wasn't like a huge, huge chart hit at the time. I think it like, you know, maybe Peter, like number 12 on the Hot 100 in 1975, something like that. Then it was used in Wayne's World in 1992, and it was after Freddie Mercury had passed the lead singer. Uh, and it, it was, you know, got a really prominent use in that movie. And it got a new music video that got played on MTV a bunch. And that ended up rebounding on the charts, and it actually ended up peaking higher than it ever had in the 70s, it went to number two. So a lot of us kind of grew up with moments like that. And they didn't happen often, but they happened often enough that you sort of understood that there was, this was part of popular music that occasionally, for extreme reasons, a song rebounds, a, a beloved song has a sort of second life and it can impact the charts anew all over again. But we've never seen anything quite like this thing with Arctic Monkeys or with the Walters I Love You So or with uh, a Notion by the Rare Occasions, where these songs that weren't really hits the first time around and in some cases weren't by bands that have ever had hits are all of a sudden becoming hits out of nowhere or seemingly out of nowhere. And it's totally, uh, you know, it it bypasses all the gatekeepers. It's not like uh, some radio DJ discovered this song from seven years ago and starts playing it on a station. And now, uh, you know, the the phones light up and now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a a major success everywhere because we have had stories like that too. But this is totally different. This is, these are songs that were not impactful culturally the first time around, or at least not on that mainstream level, that are, are being treated as if they were now brand new songs. And to a lot of the audience, I'm sure they are. These aren't nostalgia plays. This isn't some kid hearing an Arctic Monkey song from 15 years ago and going, oh, yeah, I remember when this was big. This reminds me of my youth or whatever. This is, oh, this is a cool song that I've never heard before. Let me listen to it some more. And this has the potential, I think, to totally change the nature of what we think of as a hit single in the music industry. Uh, you know, and, and it's not slowing down. If anything, there's more of these examples than there used to be. You, as I, I, I mentioned the, the Spotify top 25 uh, and, and the Arctic Monkeys being in there, they're not even the only alternative art, artist from a decade ago or two decades ago that's in there right now. You'll also get that Walter song that I mentioned. You'll also get the Neighborhood Sweater Weather. Uh, and, and there's more songs from that genre from 10, 20 years ago than there are from this year or even from this decade. Uh, and I, I think that as weird as it is and as jarring as it is, it's not totally without explanation. You know, uh, someone I, I talked to for that article said that um, th- that this, this all sort of reflects that there's a taste for alternative rock right now in the marketplace that isn't being reflected by the bands that are that, that labels are signing. So rather than kind of looking to, to you know, the, whatever the major label bands are right now, they're just finding them through TikTok, which is actually a more reliable feeder system right now than radio or anything else that the major labels can kind of impact in that way. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if five, 10 years from now, we look at a Hot 100 Top 50, and depending on you know how how our own rules change in the, over that time span, we could see a, 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 top, a top 50 where 20 of the songs are from five or more years ago. And it won't necessarily be that weird because this is how people discover music now. They're not necessarily asking anybody, okay, what are the popular songs right now? They're not asking for any gatekeepers or tastemakers to tell them what to listen to. They're just finding songs randomly en masse and they're treating them like they're brand new because to them they are brand new. So why not? That's really, really interesting. And it makes me also think, you know, thinking about kind of the 
post 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 iPod generation <laughs> or wherever wherever we are. It's just the, the ways in which the people are musical omnivores, and you know, thinking in, in particular about that Arctic Monkey song, which I have to admit, I I had a burnt copy of that <laughs> CD as a as like a fourteen year old, and I never got to track fourteen. <laughs> like it's the last track on the album. I I have. A hundred percent never got that far ever. It was too long. Sure, I'm sure uh, you weren't the only one. Yeah, but but also I'm wondering it, just uh, the kind of that sense of the lack of historical context, and, and partially this applies to indie rock, which hasn't changed that much over the since the Arctic Monkeys. Right, it doesn't sound like there's sonic signifiers of on that track that are like, oh, this is from 20 years ago or this is from 15 mm. years ago. I'm just wondering if. Um, that maybe music where people have more of a of a historical grasp on the sounds and how they've changed over time, whether that might you know um, impact the ability of a song. So let's say a rap song from two thousand and seven, two thousand nine. I forget exactly what year that Arctic Monkeys song uh, was released, but but would sound, I, I would guess, dated or at least like like sonically stamped to a, a broad audience of like, oh, this is how hip hop sounded in 2009. And that's not how hip hop sounds now. And whether that might like, wh- whether that might impact the ability for one of these kind of songs to go, um, a- a historically viral. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's an interesting theory. And it's one I hadn't, I hadn't really thought a lot about, but you are right. That, that, that might be part of the reason why we tend to see more of these, although, you know, not entirely, but, 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 I would say probably on aggregate, we do see more of these from the rock world than from the rap or pop worlds. Uh, part of that is because, uh, you know, the, 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 those those pop and rap fans, their their interests are being fed by the mainstream a little bit more than the rock fans are because, you know, rock hasn't really been a dominant genre for a good decade, arguably up to two, two decades or longer now, uh, whereas pop and rap make up very much the core of the marketplace. So that's part of the reason why you see a higher percentage of older hits in the rock space. But I think you are right as well that that we haven't seen that sort of dramatic, I mean, the dramatic evolution in the rock space has been away from rock instrumentation, has been towards, you know, rock that that uses uh, sonics from pop and hip hop, because those are those are so dominant in the marketplace that you almost can't you almost couldn't compete in the marketplace for a long time unless you had those sonics. But what we are seeing now is sort of a revival of more traditional instrumentation. I mean, not, not to say that everything now sounds like it did in 2007, but uh, you know, thanks to artists like Machine Gun Kelly and, 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 and Willow and Olivia Rodrigo, who all, all are kind of using rock instrumentation in a, in a pop way um, that it, it no longer feels quite as out of place. So if you're looking for more music that kind of sounds like that, you might look back to 15 years ago, or you might look back to seven or eight years ago or however, however long back to a time when, these songs were uh, you know, a little bit more prevalent in the culture, or you might just hear them randomly and not know the difference because again, this music hasn't really been a major part of the marketplace for a little while. So you might not know what a rock song from, from 2014 is supposed to sound like. You might not know what a rock song from 20, 2007 is supposed to sound like. This this might sound like rock music in 2022 to you. And and you're also right that, uh, yeah, that, that, that if you look at hip hop from that era, you know, if you look at hip hop from around the time of that second Arctic Monkeys album, there was a lot of snap. It was a lot of early trap. It was a lot of kind of you know, you know, third album Kanye West and Peak Lil Wayne and stuff like that. And and you're right, that would sound dramatically out of place in in a rap space dominated by Lil Durk and Lil Baby. Uh, so maybe maybe those when you get those examples, it is more of the, of the uh, oh, wasn't it fun when this song was popular? Kind of a throwback sense rather than this song feels like a new song to me, so I'm going to make it popular right now. 
I, I, I do wonder if, if it'll hold on like that. And, and you do see like, you, you do see kind of the, the sort of random songs from the big name artists that, uh, that kind of hang around in the streaming marketplace uh, sort of unpredictably. Like uh, there's a, there's a bonus track from uh Lil Uzi Vert's Love is Rage 2 that uh, is it's called 20 Minutes. And I don't th- I wouldn't have thought of that as being one of the hit songs on that album when it came out or even one of the hit bonus tracks when it came out. But for whatever reason, I, I assume it's TikTok related. It, it has kind of hung around the streaming space longer than even the, the gigantic singles from that album, like, you know, Exo Tour Life or, uh, or the, the Way Love Goes. Uh, and, and that song is now kind of the, 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 the most regular streamer off that album, at least on Spotify. And J. Cole's uh, No Role Models wasn't a huge chart hit when it came out, although that, that, that did become like a pretty, pretty major cultural hit. And now that's in like the top 15 regularly on Spotify and in, the, in this country. Uh, so you, you do see examples with it from from the from the rap space, and, and there, there's probably a couple from the pop space too that I'm not thinking of immediately. But they're not as, they don't stand out as much from the rock space because when they, when they happen in the rock space, they tend to be totally unpredictable. And when when it's in the rap or, or pop space, then maybe they're at least you know lesser known songs from obviously major artists, obviously huge stars that are that are still pretty pretty relevant today. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to kind of meet in the middle a little bit. If we get, you know, maybe a, a, as uh, as rock kind of catches up in the contemporary market, then we see fewer of those sort of retro rock hits, or or vice versa, where you know, in, in rap uh, or pop, you know, their their piece of the pie gets a little bit lesser, and so people start reaching back to the older songs more too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, just to kind of wrap up here, and I, I really appreciate you mm-hmm. taking the time to, to speak with us. I mean, so one of the fascinating things is, you know. One of the approaches of the show is we try to think about this in kind of a long-term perspective, and and in many ways, this this new model of kind of a slower rise um, potential for multi multiple small scale, you know, digital regional pe- peaks. Mm. It, in some ways, it, it looks a lot more like I don't know, like the nineteen fifties, <laughs> like almost harkening back to like a, a, a much much older, like less centralized model of music listening and music listening ac- activity. And, and and I guess I was just wondering, you know, what, um, you know, and maybe this is putting on too much of a prognosticating cap, but like what this kind of slower ups, slower downs, kind of maybe less centralized pop music experience um, for, for like lower level hits, what that might, how that might change, change the music and people's experience of the music a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I, I had a coworker that sort of drew a similar parallel. Uh, he he was talking about how back in the sort of yeah fifties and early sixties, the uh, the focus was very much on the single still. It wasn't really on the album, and that you you signed records more than you signed artists. You wanted you wanted uh, songs that sort of capitalized on crazes and and songs that were sort of in the culture, but weren't you weren't necessarily signing the guy who did the you know, the eighteenth spinoff of the Twist uh, to, to 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 cultivate a long lasting career from that guy. Or, you know, the, you, you were just sort of trying to grab hits where you could find them and move on pretty quickly after that. And that's closer to where we are now. I mean, that, that's not entirely where we are now. We still have you know, major artists that are, that, are, that are driving the marketplace still. But it does feel like kind of a flukier time in pop music where you kind of you, you, you can't necessarily play the long game with everybody. You have to kind of gr- grab hits where you see them. And then, uh, you know, if it doesn't seem like it's a long term play. Then you sort of move on to the next thing. So what happened back then is the Beatles happened uh, and the, the, the rock era happened and the album era sort of followed after that. And eventually you got these this sort of marketplace shifted to the long playing album format and it shifted to rock music and bands and cultivating bands and, and, and sort of 
you know, especially going into the seventies, you had artists that were hugely, hugely, hugely impactful in the marketplace that didn't necessarily have hit singles on radio, right. Or at least had them as, as, as sort of a, a gateway to the larger album experience. And, and that was what came next there. Zeppelin. What comes next? Yeah. Zeppelin. Sure. That, that's a good example. Pink Floyd. I mean, any number of prog rock bands, certainly, uh, and, and funk bands and uh, stuff like that. But, but it, what, what we're looking at now, I don't quite know, but I do wonder if we're in for another sort of kind of seismic shift in the marketplace brought on by one particular either artist or genre or movement or something else that is so immediately impactful in such a mass way that we don't necessarily see as often in 22 when everything's a little bit more diffused than it used to be that their mere presence kind of acts as a gravitational force in the marketplace and 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 shifts things towards what they're doing now and that the, even the mediums and the formats over which they're best appreciated end up kind of changing as a result of that. I couldn't possibly begin to predict who or what that's going to be. But if, if you sort of look at history, usually when there's a moment like this where everything's sort of scattered and everything feels a little bit here and a little bit there, and you couldn't necessarily come up with a consensus pick for what the biggest artist albums or songs in the country are at a given point in the moment, that's usually when something kind of comes in that sort of settles all debate uh, and you, you get a, a sort of unpredictable force that ends up dominating the discussion for the next few years and sort of leads a path forward towards a more, if not necessarily a more coherent future than at least one where, where everything is sort of organized around the same few things for at least a little while. And that's what I would predict is coming, but I don't know. And, and I, and, and maybe it's harder to have one of those sort of moments and one of those sort of forces in 2022 when radio and streaming are speaking different languages and TikTok isn't as impactful as it used to be and everything's sort of all over the place. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe that precludes a moment like this happening. But I would say, if you, again, if you look back towards history and towards where, where we were in the early 60s, particularly, I think if I had to guess, I would say that's what we're in for in some way, shape or form. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I often think about kind of like the comparison to early MTV when, you know, MTV clearly mm-hmm. has market shaping power, but there aren't kind of uh, native to MTV stars yet in the first couple of years. So you get all kinds of weird bands throwing up major hits and then you get like Madonna, who's yeah. kind of born fully within this medium and a- and man- or Michael Jackson and able to kind of generate a really industry shaping levels of success that then kind of go on for the next several decades. Yeah, and I, I think the parallel the parallel between MTV and TikTok is a very real one that I've actually written about like a handful of times before. Um, I, I do think that sort of industry disrupting force was one we hadn't really seen since the early days of MTV. And and you're right that especially in those early years of MTV, it was super scattershot, and we didn't really have the kind of MTV minted artists that went on to sort of define the platform over the next decade. And it also ended up invariably shaping pop music and what we think of as pop stardom. I, I mean, we're still feeling the effects from that. But what, what MTV sort of created 40 years ago is sort of what we think of as the pop star in 2022. And you sort of ask, can TikTok do the same thing? And it's harder for TikTok to do that because TikTok is not centralized the way MTV was. TikTok doesn't have a board picking the same videos and stars sort of native to the platform where they just release a video. You don't get artists releasing videos to TikTok that instantly become immediately impactful on TikTok. And each new one that these star artists release kind of defines their legacy in a different way. You might have artists that have one song go viral on TikTok, and it seems like they're going to be a quote unquote TikTok artist from there. And even if they embrace that, their next song can go absolutely nowhere. Uh, and we've seen that happen a million times already. Uh, is this sort of going to be, this is going to, we're going to end up looking back on the last four or five years as probably a golden age for one hit wonders. 
because TikTok virality was so unpredictable and because these artists didn't necessarily get to follow up that hit single in the same way. But the question is, can TikTok move to what's next and and come up with their Michael Jackson and Madonna and Prince and these artists that sort of define the platform and exist as star artists on that platform? And you could argue that Lil Nas X is one of them. You could argue that Doja Cat is. You could argue the you know maybe Olivia Rodrigo. You could say, even though the, all, again their 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 success is also predicated on a bunch of other different platforms and 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 has a, a number of other things going into it. It's not like every single that they release is is becoming popular because it's be, it's be, it's going big on TikTok. But you you could argue that 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 those are those star artists that we're starting to see as a result of that platform. But the question is, can they take it to that next level where, uh, you know, they end up defining what pop stardom is for this generation as a result of their TikTok success? And are they comfortable with doing that? And are they comfortable with doing that for every album for the rest of their star careers? And we'll see, uh, you know, that that could be the next thing. And I I don't know necessarily what impact that would have on the rest of the industry, but it could be that those pop stars end up leading the way to what comes next. But again, we'll we'll just have to see because, you know, you, you, you you can never predict something's going to happen until it happens for the first time. And we're not totally there yet with any of those artists or with TikTok as a platform. Uh, but I, I hope it does. And I, and I, I hope we do get a, kind of a new renaissance as a result from it, uh, the way that we'd, we'd had with MTV and pop music in the 80s. Uh, because, you know, as much as I enjoy these sort of fluky moments and the sort of chaos of the industry that's in, that's in right now, everything is stronger in the industry when you have those sort of bellwether artists to look to. And those kind of releases that you know are going to be majorly culturally impactful and the artists that are going to kind of define that generation, uh, that, that's just good news for everybody when that happens for the most part. So I, I, I do hope we get to that place eventually. I just don't know that we're in it yet. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. Um, this is an incredibly um, informative conversation um, and, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for giving me a chance to share some of these thoughts and to, and to talk about the article and, and to think about some things that I haven't even thought about yet myself. So I, I appreciate you and appreciate you giving me the time. Thank you.